Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, How Peeping Kate Was Pisky-Led, and on Halloween week, no less. The story is lore from Cornwall, so the author is unknown. I know most of us are familiar with the Halloween customs of dressing in disguise. Perhaps you are getting ready for a Halloween party or getting your kids dressed up for Halloween. Now at Halloween, you don't need to be a qualified witch or wizard. But, Lore would state, you have a better chance of magic working if undertaken at certain times a year, such as Halloween. Witches aside, though, Halloween just wouldn't be the same without the jack-o'-lantern. There's something about these carved, glowing pumpkin faces that puts us all in a festive mood. The jack-o'-lantern was originally a Celtic custom, but usually they would use a turnip or cabbage to make their lanterns. The vegetables were thick enough to illuminate, but not to catch on fire. Halloween marked a time when the veil between our worlds and the world of the spirits were thin. Faces were carved to frighten away angry ghosts or spirits who were thought to be wandering around looking for trouble. Years later, when the Irish, Scots, and English immigrants arrived in the New World, the pumpkin was a better choice because it was readily available and, as we know, that beautiful harvest color. Plus, it was large, inexpensive, and very easy to carve. Tonight's story is about Piskies, or Pixies, which are little people typically described about knee-high. They live in the other world and are usually invisible to humans, but if you look very carefully, you might just spot them cavorting around in circles on a remote moor at midnight. Occasionally, they will help farmers and others with their chores, but... Sometimes you can get led astray. There are many, many tales of pixies or piskies in the 19th century. Mostly seem to be temperamental. <laughs> they might actually gather grain or give gifts, but on the flip side, they could punish them for spying on their antics or just being jokesters. The legends were common to both Cornwall and Devon in the 1800s and early 1900s when many of these stories were being collected. One collector, named Robert Hunt, claimed that Cornish pixies were a bit more malicious or darker than those of Devon, more mischievous and generally naughtier. If you remember your Harry Potter Cornish Piskies were released by Gilderoy Lockhart during a defense against the Dark Arts class, and, as always, Hermione saved the day with a freezing charm. 
In tonight's story, how peeping Kate was pisky led, that freezing charm was not well known. And therefore, she got up to some mischief on Halloween night. And with that, tonight's story, how peeping Kate was pisky led. From Cornwall, author unknown. And don't worry, it's not too scary. Tis Halloween night, Teddy, my boy. Don't go out on the moor or near the gump, for the piskies and the spriggans are abroad waiting to mislead straying mortals. Many are the men and women that the little people have whisked away on Halloween night, and the poor mortals have never been heard of since. Sit down, Teddy, my boy. Crack these nuts and eat these red apples, and I'll tell you how Peeping Kate was pisky-led. I've heard the old folks say how long ago, maybe hundred years or so, the squire of Pendine had a housekeeper, an elderly dame called Kate Trigger. Well, one Halloween night, some spices and other things were wanted for the feast and tide, and Kate would not trust anyone to go for them except herself. So Kate put on her red coat and high steeple-crowned hat she did and walked to Penzance. She bought the goods and started for home. Well, it was a bright moonlight night, and though no wind was blowing, the leaves of the trees were murmuring with a hollow sound, and Kate could hear strange rustlings in the bushes by the side of the road. She had walked for a very long time, and her basket was so heavy that she began to feel tired. Her legs bent under her, and she could scarcely stand up. Just then, she beheld a little in front of her, a man on horseback. And she could tell by the proud way he sat that he was a gentleman born. She was very glad to see him, and as he was going slowly, she soon overtook him. And when she came up, his horse stood stock still. My dear master, she said, how glad I am to see you, don't you know me? I'm Kate Trigger of Pendine, and I can't tell you how hard I've worked all day. Then she explained to him how she had walked to Penzance and now was so tired that she could not stand up. But the gentleman made no reply. My dear master, said she, I'm footsore and leg weary. I've got as far as here, you see, but I cannot go no farther. Do have pity on a poor unfortunate woman and take her behind you. I can ride well enough on your horse's back without a saddle. But still, the gentleman made no reply. My dear master, she said again, my, but you're a fine-looking man. How upright you sit on your horse, but why don't you answer me? Are you asleep? One would think you were taking a nap and your horse, too, it's standing so still. Not having any word in reply to this fine speech, Kate called out as loud as she could. Even if you are a gentleman born, 
you needn't be so stuck up that you won't speak to a poor body afoot. Still, he never spoke, though Kate thought that she saw him wink at her. This vexed her the more. The time was when the triggers were among the first in the parish and were buried with the gentry. Wake up and speak to me, she screamed in rage. And then she took up a stone and threw it at the horse. The stone rolled back to her feet and the animal did not even whisk its tail. Kate now got nearer and saw that the rider had no hat on, nor was there any hair on his bald head. She touched the horse and felt nothing but a bunch of furs. She rubbed her eyes and saw at once, to her great astonishment, that it was no gentleman and horse at all, only a smooth stone, half buried in a heap of furs. And there she was still far away from Pendine, with her heavy basket and her legs so tired that she could scarcely move. And then she saw that she had come a short distance only and knew that she must be bewitched. Well, on she went, and seeing a light at her left hand, she thought that it shone from the window of the house where she might rest a while. So she made for it straight across the moor, floundering through the bogs and tripping over bunches of firs. And still, the light was always just ahead, and it seemed to move from side to side. Then suddenly it went out, and she was left standing in a bog. The next minute, she found herself among furze ricks and pigsties in the yard of Farmer Boslow, miles away from Pendine. She opened the door of an old barn and entered, hoping to get a few hours' rest. There she lay down on straw and fell asleep. But she was soon wakened by some young pigs who were rooting around in the straw. That was too much for Kate. So up she got, and as she did so, she heard the noise of a flail. And seeing a glimmer of light in a barn nearby, she crept softly to a little window in the barn and peeped to find what was going on. At first, she could see only two rushwicks burning in two old iron lamps. Then through the dim light, she saw the slash flash of a flail as it rose and fell and beat the barn door. She stood on tiptoes and stuck her head in further, and whom did she see, wielding the flail, but a little old man, about three feet high, with hair like a bunch of rushes and ragged clothes. His face was broader than it was long, and he had great owl eyes, shaded by heavy eyebrows, from which his nose poked like a pig's snout. Kate noticed that his teeth were crooked and jagged, and that at each stroke of the flail, he kept moving his thin lips around and around and thrusting his tongue in and out. His shoulders were broad enough for a man twice his height, and his feet were splayed like a frog's. 
Well, well, thought Kate, this is luck to see the pisky threshing. For ever since I can remember, I have heard it said that the pisky threshed corn for Farmer Boslow on winter nights and did other odd jobs for him the year round. But I would not believe it yet. Here he is. Then she reached her head farther in and beheld a score of little men helping the pisky. Some of them were lugging down the sheaves and placing them handy for him, and others were carrying away the straw from which the grain had been threshed. Soon a heap of corn was gathered on the floor as clean as if it had been winnowed. In doing this, the pisky raised such a dust that it set him and some of the little men sneezing, and Kate, without stopping to think, called out, God bless you, little men. Quick as a wink, the lights vanished and a handful of dust was thrown into her eyes, which blinded her so that for a moment she could not see. And then she heard the pisky squeak. I spy thy face, old peeping Kate. I'll serve thee out early and late. Kate, when she heard this, felt very uneasy, for she remembered that the little people have a great spite against anyone who peeps at them or pries into their doings. The night being clear, she quickly found her way out of a crooked lane and ran as fast as she could and never stopped until she reached the gump. There she sat down to rest a while. After that, she stood up and turned whichever way she might the same road lay before her. Then she knew that the pisky was playing her a trick. She ran down a hill as fast as she could, not caring in what direction she was going, so long as she could get away from the pisky. After running a long while, she heard music and saw lights at no great distance. Thinking that she might be near a house, she went over the downs toward the lights, feeling ready for a jig, and stopping now and then to dance around and around to the strains of the music. But instead of arriving at a house and passing around some high rocks, she came out on a broad green meadow encircled with firs and rocks, and there before her she saw a whole troop of spriggans holding an elven fair. It was like a feasting day. Scores of little booths were standing in rows and were covered with tiny trinkets such as buckles of silver and gold glistening with Cornish diamonds, pins with jeweled heads, brooches, rings, bracelets, and necklaces of crystal beads, green and red or blue and gold, and many other pretty things new to Kate. There were lights in all directions. Lanterns no bigger than foxgloves were hanging in rows, and on the booths rushlights and tulip cups shone among fairy goodies such as Kate had never dreamed of. Yet with all these lights, there was such a shimmer over everything that she got bewildered and could not see as plainly as she wished. She did not care to disturb the little people until she had looked at all that was doing. So she crept softly behind the booths and watched the spriggans dancing. 
hundreds of them, linked hand in hand, went whirling around so fast as to make her dizzy. Small as they were, they were all decked out like rich folk. The little men in cocked hats and feathers, blue coats gay with lace and gold buttons, breeches and stockings of lighter hue, and tiny shoes with diamond buckles. Kate could not name the colors of the little ladies' dresses, which were of all the hues of summer blossoms. The vain little things had powdered their hair and decked their heads with ribbons, feathers, and flowers. Their shoes were of velvet and satin and were high-heeled and pointed, and such sparkling black eyes as all the little ladies had, and such dimpled cheeks and chins, and they were merry, sprightly, and laughing. All the spriggans were capering and dancing around a pole wreathed with flowers. The pipers, standing in their midst, played such lively airs that Kate, never in all her life, had wanted to dance more. But she kept quite still, for she did not wish the little people to know that she was there. She was, however, determined to pocket some of the pretty things in the booths and steal away softly with them. She thought how nice a bright pair of diamond buckles would look on her best shoes, and how fine her Sunday cap would be ornamented with a fairy brooch. So she raised her hand and laid it on some buckles when, oh, oh, she felt a palmful of pins and needles stick into her fingers like red-hot points, and she screamed, Misfortune take you, you bad little spriggins. Immediately, the lights went out, and she felt hundreds of the little people leap on her back and her neck and her head. At the same moment, others tripped up her heels and laid her flat on the ground and rolled her over and over. Then she caught sight of the pisky mounted on a wild-looking colt, his toes stuck in its mane. He was holding a rush for a whip, and he sat there grinning from ear to ear and urging on the spriggans to torment her with ha-ha-ha and tee-hee-hee. She spread out her arms and squeezed herself tight to the ground so that the spriggans might not turn her over, but they squeaked and grunted, and over and over she went. And every time that they turned her face downward, some of the little fellows jumped on her back and jigged away from her toe to her head. She reached around to try and get them off her with a stick, but they pulled it out of her hand and balancing it across her body, strided it and bobbed up and down singing. Seesaw pate, lie still peeping Kate. Seesaw pate, here we'll ride early and late on the back of peeping Kate. And with that, poor Kate, not to be beaten by the spriggans, tossed back her feet to kick the little fellows away, but they pulled off her shoes and tickled and prickled the soles of her feet until she fell a-laughing and a-crying by turns. Kate was almost mad with their torment when by good chance she remembered a charm that would drive away all mischievous spirits on Halloween. So she repeated it forwards 
and backwards, and in a twinkling, all the little spriggans fled screeching away, the pixie galloping after them. Then she got on her feet and looked around. She saw by the starlight of a clear, frosty morning that the place to which she had been pisky led was a green spot near the gump, where folks said the spriggans held their nightly revels. And although the spot was very small, it had seemed to her like a ten-acre field because of the enchantment. And her hat and her shoes and her basket were gone. And poor Kate, barefooted and bareheaded, had to hobble home as best as she could. The End It's not your typical Halloween scary story, although I have to tell you that if I got attacked by some spriggans, I'd be scared. Now you might be wondering, okay, we know what the piskies are. What the heck is a spriggan? Well, spriggans often are depicted as ugly, wizened old men with large, childlike heads. They're said to be found at old ruins, cairns, and barrows guarding buried treasure. And even though they're super small, they have been considered to be the ghosts of giants and retained gigantic strength. And in one story, collected by the aforementioned Robert Hunt, they showed the ability to swell to an enormous size. Hunt associated these spirits with the hill fort, known as Trencombe Hill in Cornwall. Spriggans were notorious for their unpleasant dispositions, thus obviously outlined in the story, and delighted in working mischief against those who offended them, which clearly Kate did. They raise sudden whirlwinds to terrify travelers, send storms to blight crops. They're also accused of stealing away mortal children and leaving changelings in their place. Often they're blamed if a house were to be robbed or cattle were stolen. In one story, an old woman got the better of a band of spriggans by turning her clothing inside out which is supposedly as effective as holy water or iron in repelling fairies, based on the collections of Robert Hunt, William Bertrell, and Catherine Briggs. They characterized Spriggans as fairy bodyguards, and in some cases have been compared to trolls in Scandinavia. With all that being said, Probably not a good idea to peek at Piskies or the Spriggans. We'll get ya. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, as always, for the amazing reviews. I really appreciate it. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you. And I hope you'll join us again. I'm Ashley Lambert. And this is very sleepy. Until next time, good night.